0: comes about today uh, it says when the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish as you know that's second Peter 3 9 and uh, we'll look there in just a moment um, explain how we are given limited chances to accept uh, his love because we have talked about it in times past um, just as a Christian has a finish line to cross um, unbelievers you know God doesn't have to he doesn't have to give you an opportunity to get saved he doesn't have to give you that uh, time and time again, I've said that missions is the heartbeat of God, but it's in our hands. It's our responsibility to witness, okay? God's given us the tools. Uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit, um, but it's our duty and our job. So this is this is anti-Calvinism to the T. It's our responsibility to get business. We are called unsaved unto good works. We are to provoke one another unto good works. Why? It's after salvation. So God is not willing that any, any should perish. We know that. Open your Bibles to... Um, We'll be in two places tonight to answer this question: Second Peter chapter three, and in verse nine, and then from there, uh, we'll look in Proverbs twenty-nine. Just in case you want to get uh, one finger in Proverbs and the other one in um, Second Peter, uh, that'll be fine. And uh, we'll hurry along here and address in the statement. This is a. <clears throat> this is one of those questions that. Is. It's easy to understand, but it's more difficult to believe. Um, our modern day culture, and when I say modern day, I mean uh, last 50, 60 years goes against what we're probably about to teach in this segment. But in Second Peter chapter three and in verse nine, the Bible says that the Lord, um, uh, wait a second, wrong chapter there. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so the first thing we need to understand is that the Lord isn't willing. that He doesn't want anybody. His desire, His overwhelming, determined will is not for anyone to perish. That's why Jesus Christ died one time, and He died for all. That's why the Bible tells us, whosoever shall believe on, the, on, on His name. Whosoever, anybody, Okay who will, will believe on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, can and will be saved. Yes, the Holy Spirit has to be uh, play a part in there, because it's not an intellectual or an educated decision, that I understand. But people are not going to desire to accept Jesus Christ without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they're not going to know anything about that without the, the Word of God. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word, amen? So, when we understand that God's not willing that any should perish, it also tells us that He is long-suffering to us, he, I mean, he is patient. He is, uh, you know, incredibly patient, you know, and he doesn't have to be. So when we look at understanding that there are limited opportunities and limited times, and we don't know how many of that would be. We have no idea. It could be 400,000. It could be four. It could be one, all right? And we see examples of that, principally speaking, in the Bible. But Proverbs chapter 29 and verse one, and, and uh, <clears throat> many of you guys that's been around for a long time you guys may remember this message uh god's deadline or finish line but in in verse one it says he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and then the last four words and that without remedy rg lee preached a message um, years and years and years ago um titled payday someday and and he he states that the payday someday is written on the constitution of God's universe. We know not when, nor where that constitution, where that line is drawn. We don't know where that is. Our job is just to witness, to witness, to witness, to witness. We don't know when or where somebody's final opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is. So every unsaved man or woman has a deadline with God. Every saved man or woman has a finish line with God. We know that by Hebrews chapter 12. So if you cross the deadline as a lost person, you are just as destined to hell, eternally lost and without hope, as if you're already there to cross that deadline. Now, again, I don't know where it is, and neither do you. It's not our responsibility to say, you know what, I'm done. Not witnessing anymore, not doing, that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to be finished with that. But, beloved, the deadline that a soul may cross while, while they are yet living uh, is a line unseen, a hidden boundary, if you will, between God's mercy and God's wrath. And if that line is crossed, there is no hope. So how how is God setting a deadline in a soul's life? How does he do so? He does it, number one, by situations, situations. Uh, Proverbs one says in the first part, He that being often reproved, often reproved. Well, God often reproves in order to lead us, to direct us, into the manner in which he wants us to go. And, and and if he spoke to you one time as a lost person in his mercy, that is a bonus uh, because he did not have to do it. How does God lead or draw a soul unto himself or uh, for salvation through this reproving? Uh, number one, he does it by the Holy Spirit. All right. So within these situations in our life, he does so by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the Holy Spirit of God was sent into the world to reprove the world of sin. That's John 16, verse 8. Okay. Number two, by sadness, believe it or not. OK, when when a lost person loses a family member or a close loved one, guys, they're just as broken hearted as anyone, you know, just because a person is lost doesn't mean they're emotional or they have. I mean, they are they're heartbroken, just like you and I would be to to lose a loved one. But it's at that time, many times during a stricken grief and uh, loss of a dear a fam, a family member or friend to where the Holy Spirit of God will take that opportunity and tap that shoulder and say, you need me now. To where a person understands there's a greater depth in the universe, a greater depth in God's creation. There's something greater out there and that Holy Spirit, that comforter that we read about is trying to comfort you in this time of need to bring you close unto salvation. Number three, situations that he'll bring into a lost person's life can be through sermons and or songs, okay? Now I understand that we got to be very careful when it talks about songs because songs are are, our canon will be ...widened uh, or greatly emotional, okay? So you got to be careful in that area, okay? Um, I've always been very cautious of someone who's so heavily influenced within the church with music. Music has its place, and it should have its place, but it's never to be in the forefront of a church. It is always to be uh, something that builds up to the worship time. Worship is the preaching of the Word of God. Singing in the worship, sir, in the service... Uh, is not worship, guys, it's praise, okay, and we need to know the difference between those two, uh, and we need to understand that. The preaching of a sermon, you know, the man of God gets in the pulpit, and, and, you know, he's praying over lost souls, and he's preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word, and remember the word sermon means to stab, it means to stab, and it's convicting you. Uh, th- this is just as bad for Christians, those who are saved, and the word of God is being preached, and that word of God is stabbing you through the sermon that's being preached, and if you harden your heart, and you harden your neck, say, nope, not gonna listen to that, not gonna believe that, well, he that being often reproved and hardened his, hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. You not know, going we'll lose your salvation, but you'll lose your blessings in this life. Guys, listen, there's a reason the man of God, there's a reason a preacher gets in the pulpit and preaches, amen? It's for your benefit, all right? Fourthly, the situations that he'll bring into people's life to set that deadline are the scriptures. God has not left us without a voice. His word, uh, every child has heard him speak. His word is written upon the table of every individual's heart. Um, You know, you put that gospel track through the door and somebody takes that, they read that. That word of God is bearing witness with that conscience. And a person has to make a decision whether or not to heed to that conscience and allow that conviction to set in unto salvation or to crimple that track up and throw it away thus hardening their heart. And fifthly and lastly, under this segment of situation, you know, God sets this deadline by soul witnesses, those who witness to the gospel to a lost and dying person. God makes sure necessary people are put in the necessary place so people will hear the necessary message. Now, that's where our great responsibility comes in. God has put you in the place of people, guys. Whether you believe it or not, God has put you in cars with neighbors, in, in situations with family members, in hospital rooms with close friends, uh, sitting next to someone in a co- as a co-worker uh, in the convenience store. The Lord has orchestrated them to be in your life, and you have a responsibility as a child of God to share the gospel to that person. You say, well, preacher, what if I don't share the gospel with that person and they never get another chance in their life? Then that's on you. And they're going to die and go to hell. And you're going to see it, at the great white throne judgment. Okay? So, um, and I hope that right there should convict you. All right? So situations God uses to draw that line in the sand, even though he's not willing that any should perish. Often reproved. God speaks many times, even though he does not have to speak. But once, he doesn't even have to speak one time, but he often does. And uh, sometimes he doesn't. I mean, sometimes we got an example coming up at the next point here. Uh, where God gave one chance, and we'll show you that in just a second. So God speaks through situations. He speaks to the stiff neck, okay, the stiff neck, if you will, uh, the hardened neck. So uh, Proverbs one says, uh, He that be often reproved, and it says, Hardeneth his neck. That's a stiff-necked people, a rebellious generation. Uh, guys, you don't have to be a rocket science or, or a Bible theologian today to see that we're living in a rebellious society. Uh, rebellion does not always mean... Throwing rocks and setting fires and all this and that uh, to the world. Sometimes it just means complacency and culturally relevant, if you will. Okay, Rebellion against God's word. So how does a lost person disobey to cross that line? How does that happen? Uh, Number one, it happens through procrastination. This is the example that I give you where God said I gave you one chance. Remember uh, Moses and Aaron going before uh, Pharaoh? Remember that? Exodus chapter 8. He goes at 4 Exodus chapter 8, and the Bible says that, uh, that Pharaoh said in his heart, just give me one more night with the frog. give me one more night with my sin. Hey, when do you want, when do you want the frogs to, to go away? When you- Tomorrow, he said. Procrastination. Furthermore, we also know that, that if you look at the situation concerning Pharaoh, the Bible says that in the first time that Moses went to him, that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Okay? The first time. From that point forward, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh had one chance. Theoretically, we understand what happened, but theoretically, Pharaoh could have said, you know what, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to let your people go, all 2.1 million of them. You guys go ahead and and God be with you, okay? And more than likely, uh, their land would would have continued on as it was. Uh, Israel would have gone into the promised land and established their nation and so on and so on. But he didn't do that. He hardened his heart. He was stiff necked himself. Therefore, after that all the other chances were null and void. Moses came to him, but God hardened his heart. That's an example of someone crossing that deadline. Our society, guys, is not only plagued with procrastination, but it's plagued with pride. With pride. So many people are so so really so really and truly rotten rotten proud that they refuse to come to Christ. They don't want to give up what they're uh, what they, they do on the weekends. They don't want to give up their lifestyle. They don't want to give up, you know, going to the, to the bars and the clubs and the, and the loose women and all this. And they don't want to give those things up. And the preacher will beg and plead and for them to come to Christ. But pride sits in the pew with the unsaved sinner and whispers into their ear, and they'll refuse to walk an aisle. They'll refuse to get saved simply because of pride. Now, to you and I that are saved and born again, we think that's ludicrous. Yeah, it is ludicrous when you know the end of the story. But pride is a reason why God will eventually say, you know what, I'm done. You know, you're done. Our society is not only plagued with pride and with procrastination, but thoroughly, guys, with pleasures, okay, pleasures. And you can write down 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4. We won't go to it. But it is the pleasures of this life that grabs the heart and takes it captive, keeping someone from being saved and born again, hindering them from making that decision. They'll make excuses like, well, the Bible was written by man, and, uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, they'll act like they're intelligent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. No intelligent person denies the reality and validity of the inspired word of God, okay? No intelligent person, all right? Because if you are so intelligent, you know, if you, again, I say this, you think you are. It's amazing how these intelligent people can't even function in society and uh, be a contributing citizen in society, but they're so intelligent, they remain lost. God's, God, they crossed that line. They've done, you know. And so, you know, we see the situations, we see the sermon and songs. Thirdly and lastly, what comes on? When that line is finally crossed is you find swift destruction. Swift destruction. Uh, Proverbs 29 one says, and shall suddenly be destroyed. Guys, the Bible says they, they are suddenly destroyed. And, and we live in a world today where people are being suddenly destroyed every single day. I mean, in every single day, and 155,000-plus people die every single day, 1.8 people per second. When we begin to look at it, by the time we're finished tonight, you'll see how many numbers will die in the world, and the overwhelming majority of them will die without a gospel message, uh, or at least uh, without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and I said lastly, I was mistaken there, so it's not lastly, but lastly now, the fourth thing. The Bible says without remedy. When the Bible says that they are swift destruction without remedy, it is clearly stating there that time is up. They've had their opportunity. They've been often reproved. God's long-suffering has tried to speak to them and speak to them and speak to them and talk to them and and share with them and convict them. And they've said, you know what? I'm going to harden my heart. I'm done with all that. I'm too smart. I'm too intelligent. I'm enjoying my sin too much, whatever it may be. And they become sealed unto their own destruction. It's without remedy. And so, guys, God is not willing to par- that any should perish. He is very long-suffering with His creation. He is more. To- I don't. I don't want to use the word tolerant because tolerant acts as if He puts up or condones sin. He doesn't condone sin, but He is long-suffering in our sinful nature. He is great for His mercy. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. And I praise God for it. But if you ever, if if a lost soul crosses that deadline, if they cross that area, they'll never have a desire to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can beg, plead, beg, borrow, and steal. You do everything you can. That conviction is not there. They'll never in their life be saved and born again. Often reproved, hardened their neck, shall suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Amen? So that answers those questions tonight, guys. So let's go ahead and stand this evening.